going to speak to you. Um, many of you will know who Sia Colisi is. He's a captain of the Springboks. And more, more, than being the, more than being the current captain of the Springboks, he's the first non-white captain of the Springboks, which is quite a big deal, right? And I have got an enormous amount of respect and admiration for him, not only as a rugby player, but as a human. And he was interviewed after one of the games in the British and Irish Lions series. If you follow rugby, you would have known that the British and Irish Lions series was quite a um, controversial series, full of lots of emotion, full of lots, of lots of controversy. You don't need to watch rugby to appreciate who the man Sia Colisi is. And he was interviewed after one of these games, and uh, the interviewer was a British inter interviewer, and he said to him, how were the Springboks able to defend for so long and dig so deep? It was a, just a proper, hectic game. How were they able to, like, to pull it out of the fire. What did, you, what did you do? What did you tell your men in that stage? And uh, he said these words, which have stuck with me. He said, we're comfortable going to dark places and living there for a very long time, which sums up Springbok rugby in a nutshell. But I think it speaks of two, it speaks of two different things. We're comfortable going to dark places. Uh, that speaks of players and people who are very happy humbling themselves. There's no glory in dark places, right? There's glory in the light, there's no glory in dark places. So it speaks of a team who's, who's, who's comfortable being humble and not taking any glory for themselves. And then we, 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 we're happy to stay there for a long time. That speaks of we know, we trust the man who's leading us because we can stay there for a long time. We don't start getting worried because we know that we can follow a man and there's a way out. Right? Isn't that a picture of the gospel? Isn't that a picture of the gospel? We don't get glory for ourselves because we deny ourselves. And when we deny ourselves, there's no glory. And we're secure behind our leader, knowing that there's a way forward. <clears throat> I spoke last week about denying ourselves. Um, denying ourselves. And this, this evening, I want to speak about following Jesus. But if you missed last week's message, wherever you get podcasts, you'll find us. Anthem Church Durban, anywhere you get podcasts. Otherwise, our website, anthem.org.za, the last couple of years of sermons are all there. If there's something that you are wanting to understand, you're wanting to understand a little bit about what this family believes about God and uh, the mission that we're on, jump on there, listen to some of the last sermons. Obviously, come and meet some of the people, understand our culture, but listen to what we've been preaching last week, denying yourself, um, speaking about being uncomfortable in your flesh for the sake of being comfortable in your spirit. This evening I want to speak about following Jesus and look at some of the things that happen when we do follow Jesus. Our base text is the same as our text was last week, Matthew chapter 16. <coughs> Excuse me. It says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and yet forfeits his soul. A man called Eugene Peterson writes, uh, paraphrases the Bible. He translates it as a paraphrase. So it's not a word-for-word -word translation, but it's a phrase-for-phrase -phrase translation. It's technically a paraphrase of the Bible. It's called the message. And when he translates it, he, he translates it like this. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who tends, intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of a deal is it to get everything you want but to lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? So it seems like according to Jesus, it's not the act of believing in him that makes us Christians. It's the act of denying ourselves and following him. Jesus' brother James writes a letter to the church that is scattered throughout Rome. It's, it's recorded in the Bible as, as the book of James. And James chapter 2 verse 9, he writes to the church and he says, 
uh, you guys believe that there's only one God. That's good. But the demons also believe that, and they shudder. So, it's, it's, so your belief is not impressive. It says, believing in Jesus doesn't make you great. doesn't make you a Christian. So the demons believe in Jesus. They believe that he is the only son of God. The demons believe, and we believe, in Jesus' ability to heal, to save, to redeem, to restore. Right? The demons know that Jesus can do that. For us to believe that Jesus can do that is not the end of our faith. That's the very, very, very start of our faith. What Jesus is saying is, it's not your belief in me that makes you a Christian. It's the fact that you deny yourself and follow me. When you follow me, that's what, that's what makes you a Christian. Our belief in Jesus has to cause us to follow him. And what I've come to realize is that Jesus is always trying to get our attention so that we will look to him. How is he trying to get your attention this evening? When we look to him, we realize that actually we weren't looking for him, but he was trying to get our attention all along to let us know that he was looking for us. It's like when I play catch with my daughter. I get her attention. I say, I whistle a little bit louder than that. Come and catch me. So she starts catching me, and what she doesn't realize is I'm actually, she's not catching me. I'm catching her from in front of her, right? Have you been there? I'm catching her from in front. So as she's getting closer, eh, I'm just watching. She's getting closer. And at the last minute, as she thinks, I'm about to catch Dad, I turn around. And she re- there's that moment of realization. I wasn't catching Dad. Dad was catching me because he was, and he's going to squash me now. <laughs> right? That's what we do in our, in, in our family. But I get her attention, because, not because I want her to catch me, but because I want her to know that I wanted to catch her. And so when God gets our attention, it's not because he's not saying you need to look for me. He gets our attention to say, actually, all along, I've been looking for you. And we have that moment of realization that God's been, God's been looking for us. It's our responsibility to look and see what God is doing to get our attention, to look for him. And once we've been found by him, to deny ourselves and follow him, it's not a good only looking to him and believing in him. It's no good only being found by him. We have to deny ourselves and follow him. There's always something that keeps us from following Jesus. There's always something that makes us want to stay believers and not become followers. Friends, the the enemy is fighting to keep you from believing in Jesus. Once you believe in Jesus, he's fighting to keep you believing and to not let you be a follower of Jesus. It's comfortable being a believer in Jesus. I can believe that it's good to give all I have to the poor. I can be comfortable in that belief. But unless I actually do it, I'm not in a place of discomfort, right? Our beliefs are very comfortable unless they cause us to action. When our beliefs call us to action, that's when they start, actually, that's, this is what I truly believe in, right? When it, when it causes us, and it calls us to action. We're comfortable going to dark places and living there for long periods of time because we're content that there's no glory in dark places and we're secure following our leader. Friends, some of my darkest days have come from following Jesus, genuinely. Some of us are in dark places because we've made bad decisions. But just because you're in a dark place doesn't mean that you're being punished. And it doesn't mean that you're there because you've made bad decisions. Some of my darkest days and my darkest places have come from following Jesus. Some of Jesus' darkest moments came from following his father. He didn't run from those dark days. He denied himself. He was comfortable living in a place with no glory, and he followed. He was secure, trusting who he was following to get him out. Because following is everything to do with trust. Trust in the person that you're following. Because when I'm I'm trust, I'm happy to follow anywhere. 
before I had as many kids as I have now, and when I was a little bit younger, I used to guide international tourists around game reserves in Zululand. You know the one thing I was never asked? Not, not, I was asked lots of questions, some of them good, some of them just tourist questions. And uh, the, one, the one thing that I was never challenged on is, the, is where I was going. Nobody ever said to me, in a country that they're not familiar with, in a game reserve that they've never been to, nobody ever said to me, hmm, you should have taken that left over there. Or when I turned right, they said, why do you turn right? You should have kept going straight. Nobody ever questioned me. They had blind trust in me as their guide to get them in, to get them out, and back to the airport. Blind trust. Except for the Americans. They like to ask questions <laughs> and argue. But some of my darkest days have come from following Jesus. But I have to trust the one that I'm following because I know that there's a way out. I have to keep humbling myself and following him because I trust him. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized and he receives the Holy Spirit. And then Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 opens with these words. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, in the desert, no food, no water for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he gets tempted by the devil. It's a pretty dark place to be in, right? But he's in that place, not because of bad decisions. He's in that place, not because he was being punished by God, but because he was led there by the Spirit. He ended up in that place because he was a follower. If Jesus hadn't ended up in that place, it would be a sign that he wasn't following the Spirit. Just because you're in a dark place doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. We need to be able to differentiate and understand, am I in this place because I've made bad decisions and these are the consequences of my, of my bad decisions? And if that's not the case, am I, am I in, this, in, in this dark place because I've been led there by the Spirit? And if that's the case, I can live there. I'm very comfortable living there for a long time. And I need to trust the one who led me in to also lead me out. Sometimes to avoid a dark place is a sign that you aren't following. So Jesus sits in one of the darkest moments of his life before going to the cross in a garden and he's praying. And those looking at him, look at him and they say, it looks like he's sweating, he's crying blood. And what, what's actually happening is his body is under such enormous amount of stress that the blood capillaries in his forehead are bursting. And so it's, it's, it's bleeding out down by his eyes and it looks like he's crying blood. He's in a place of proper stress, right? This is not just I'm worried about my history final on Friday. This is, a, this is proper stress. I'm, I'm, my, the blood capillaries in my forehead are bursting. It's a pretty dark place. Most of us try to avoid situations like that. But if Jesus had avoided that situation, he would never have been following. Some of us have avoided dark places because we only ever want to follow Jesus to places that are nice. See, it's easy to trust someone who's leading you if they only ever lead you to places that you want to go, but your trust is tested when they lead you to places that you would never go on your own. This is a mark of leadership. The privilege and the pain of leadership is that we lead people to places that they don't want to go. We lead people to places that they wouldn't go on their own. As a father, I can't just lead my kids to places that they want to go. I've got to lead them to places that they wouldn't go on their own. Otherwise, they don't need me to lead them. They can just lead themselves. If, all they, if, all they ever, if, if I only ever lead them to McDonald's and I never lead them to eat their vegetables, they don't need me. They can just go to McDonald's on their own. Part of the, the mark of leadership is leading people to places where they don't want to go. If the only place that your life goes is to places that you're comfortable with, 
if the only people that you talk to are people that you're comfortable talking with, if the only conversations you have are around topics that you're comfortable speaking on, if the only resources you give are resources that you're comfortable to give, friends, might I suggest you're not following Jesus. You could just be following yourself. If you only ever go to a place of comfort, it could be that you, lead, you, you are leading yourself and following yourself and you're not following Jesus. A mark that I'm following Jesus is I'm led to places that I don't want to go by myself. I don't lead myself to that place. Following Jesus almost always involves being led through a difficult time because it's in the difficult times that I learn to trust. And following has everything to do with me trusting whoever I'm following, right? It's easy to trust your driver when you're on the freeway and it's wide and there's lots of lanes and the signs clearly point to where you're going. But when you're on a narrow dirt road and there's bushes everywhere and you don't know, it's dark, then that's when your trust and your guide is tested. It's in the difficult times that I learn to trust the most. So denying ourselves had some really practical outworking. So does following Jesus. I want to look at three things, uh, three practical ways that we can follow Jesus and, what, and how do I know that I'm actually following Jesus and not following myself. Three quick things and then we're done. When I follow Jesus, number one, I'm led towards community. Exodus chapter 3 verse 2 says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a, in a flame of fire, this is Moses, in the midst of a bush. And he looked and, the, and he was, couldn't believe it. The bush wasn't burning. And yet it was consumed. And so Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight. Why is the bush not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush. Remember I spoke about God trying to get our attention so that we can follow him. This is exactly what God does with Moses here. Moses is distracted with his sheep. And before God speaks to him, he gets his attention. He, it's a bush that's, that's burning. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed and not being burnt. And it says in verse 4, when God saw that he had Moses' attention, then he spoke to him. Friends, I think so often God doesn't speak to us because he doesn't have our attention. He's trying to get our attention. It's, I never hear God. God never speaks to me. And he never tired. I, I don't. God's waiting to have our attention. So many times, he doesn't speak to Moses until he has his attention. And so many times we don't hear God because he doesn't have our attention. We're distracted doing other things. If you try to speak to somebody when they're on their phone, right? Northwood banned cell phones this year because the whole of last year, nobody was talking to each other. The whole of the years before that, nobody was talking to them. They're sitting on their phones. There's no conversation that takes place. People are eternally distracted. Moses was distracted with his sheep. God has to get his attention with the burning bush. Friends, what is God doing to try and get your attention? Because he always gets our attention so that he can speak to us. Let us know that he was looking for us all along so that we can follow him. And when we, lead him, when we follow him, he leads us towards community. And so Moses approaches the burning bush and then God talks to him. And there's actually quite a funny conversation that takes place between God and Moses. God says to Moses, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh who's basically the most powerful man in the known world at the time. And he says... The, the slaves that have built his empire, I need you to go and tell him, the most powerful man in the, the known world, that the slaves have, who have built his empire, he needs to release them all. Right? They're my people, he needs to release them. Moses says, no thanks, not for me. God says, no, it is for you. Moses says, no, it's not. God said, yes, it is. And it's about four or five times God and Moses go backwards and forwards, not me, yes, you, couldn't be, then who. Uh, backwards and forwards, God and Moses, right? And every, every um, objection that Moses has, every time Moses tries to come up with an excuse, uh, God answers it, and Moses gets to the end of it, and I can see him like, like this. Um, okay, God, and he gets to a place where eventually he says, God, can you actually just send somebody else? I don't, I don't have another excuse if you answered them all. Could you actually just send somebody else? God says, 
God says, Moses, I'm not going to send somebody else. I'm going to send you, but I'm not going to send you alone. I'm going to give you a brother, Aaron. As you be- I've got your attention. As you begin to follow me, I'm going to lead you towards community. I'm going to give you a brother, Aaron, and together, the two of you are going to go and speak to Pharaoh. A sign that you're following Jesus is that he plants you, he leads you towards community. Acts chapter 9, verse, 9, uh, verse 1, um, a man called Paul is on his way to Damascus. He's spent his last uh, number of years persecuting and killing Christians, thinking that he's doing uh, the will of God, right? God confronts him on the road to Damascus, and he knocks him off his horse. as a blinding light. He knocks Paul off his horse, and, and he speaks to him out of a cloud, and Paul's blind. And the first thing that uh, Jesus says to Paul in that moment, he says, go to uh, Damascus, the town that you were going to to kill Christians. Go to that town and find a man, a disciple called Ananias, because when he prays for you, he's going to heal you of your blindness, right? Put, put, a, put, a, put a pin in that and come back to it. Have you, ever, have you ever tried to get somebody's attention when they're in the next room and they're, so, they're busy in the next room, so busy that you have to shout? Have you, have you been in that situation? I'm, I'm in there all the time. I've got kids, right? Why is the kid not in the room that they need to be in unless I open a packet of chips and then they're in the room? Why are they in the next room every other time? But what God has to do with Paul here, he can't speak quietly in a burning bush. He has to shout, knock Paul off his horse with a blinding light and, and, and blind him, speak to him out of a cloud. Friends, when God doesn't get our attention speaking quietly, sometimes he has to shout at us. What's God doing to get your attention? Are you listening to the quiet burning bush or, you, or does he need to knock you off a horse and blind you to get your attention? Back to the story. So Paul is, Paul is blind, right? How did he end up blind? God miraculously made him blind. When God, but then God says, to, to get your sight back, what you need to do is go to, go, go to Ananias, this, this disciple in Damascus. When he prays for you, you will receive your sight. Because God had miraculously blinded him, God could have also miraculously healed him very easily, right? But God's putting in place a principle. I've got your attention. As you begin to follow me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to plant you into community. I'm going to lead you towards community as you begin to follow me. I get that community can be a dark place for many people. I get that. I've been hurt and offended and a whole lot of other things in community. I know that. Some of my darkest days have come through following Jesus, but when I follow Jesus, he always leads me back to community, into community, towards community. Here's a test if you're following Jesus or if you're following yourself. See, when I follow myself, I very often, most often, lead myself away from community because community is hard. Community is messy, right? There's people. You here. I'm here. It's messy. It's hard work. When I follow myself, I very often lead myself away from community. When I follow Jesus, he always, always, always leads me towards community, into community. When I follow Jesus, number two, I'm led to a place where my faith can grow. John chapter 20 verse 1 says this, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. This is a couple of days after Jesus has been crucified. She came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John. And she said to him, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they've put him. And so Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Right? John writes this book. He says, Peter and I were running together just to let you know. We were running together, I outran him. I got there first, just to let you know. There's nothing to do with that. I just want everybody for the rest of eternity to know, me and Peter had a race, and I beat him. 
So Peter went out with the other disciple. They're both going to the tomb, both of them running. Uh, uh, John gets to the tomb first, and he stops and looks in. He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in the place by itself. Then the other disciple, who'd reached the tomb first, just want to let you know, uh, he also went in, and he saw and believed. How does Peter get to the tomb? He has to follow Mary and John to the tomb, right? It's not, it's not just about a race. Peter, Peter's actually hanging back because his faith is a bit weak, right? He's, he's dropped the ball properly a couple of nights before. He's denied Jesus three times. It's, his world is shattered. It's fallen apart, right? That's why he hangs back, actually. John takes advantage of a, of a man who's got weak faith and runs a bit faster than him. He says, I beat him. Actually, no, Peter hung back because his faith was a bit weak. As he follows John, as he follows Mary, what happens? They, they, by the time he gets to the tomb, he's able to lead John into the tomb. John stops, full of faith, stops at the tomb, but doesn't go in. Peter then goes in first and leads John into the place where he can see for himself that Jesus has been resurrected and raised from the dead. If Peter had never followed, he never would have been able to lead. If Peter had never followed Mary, if he'd never followed John, he would never have been able to lead John to the place where he could see that Jesus was raised from the dead. Friends, we live in a world where we're told what it means to be a leader is that you must have all the answers and you must have the loudest voice and you must have the best answers and you must be the best at something. But here's Peter. He has to borrow courage from Mary because he's lost the plot the night before. And because he keeps following, he reaches a place where his faith grows. We know that. We know that for something to grow, it has to be planted in the ground. So if I pull a weed out, I can put it back in exactly the same place. But because I've pulled it out, it's not planted anymore. Even though it's in the same place, it stops uh, growing and it dies. Spiritually speaking, we don't plant things on mountaintops. We plant things in valleys. And so many people's faith never grows because it's not planted. And so many people's faith isn't planted because we've never been led into a valley. When I follow, I'm led into the valleys, and it's there that my faith can be planted and grow. So many people, as soon as we start going down the valley, see, it's easy to see. In the mountain, there's, uh, the paths are clear, there's sunlight. As soon as I start going down into a valley, it's a dark place. There's thick bushes, there's thickets, there's rivers, there's danger, there's unknown stuff. And as soon as I get into that place, uh, that's, when the trust, that's when trust in the one that I'm following takes over. And so many of us don't have our faith planted deep because we never allow Jesus to lead us into a place, into the valleys. We only ever want him to lead us on the mountaintops. Jesus, lead me to the places where I want to go. But don't lead me to the places that I don't want to go. Don't lead me to the hard places. Lead me to the easy places. Jesus says, that's not what it means to follow me. Peter has to borrow courage to keep following. Who can you borrow courage from in order to keep following and to grow your faith? If the people that you've surrounded yourself with don't lend you courage to keep following when it gets dark, but the advice is rather move back up the mountain. Perhaps you've surrounded yourself with the wrong people. And you've never followed Jesus into true community. Rich spoke about community Sunday next week. We emphasize community. We, there's communion. There's baptisms. There's baby dedications. We celebrate being together. If you're in a place where you feel as if you need to borrow courage from somebody so that your faith can keep going, that you can, that you can keep following, that's a great place for you. If you've never been baptized, if you've never, as an act of your will, 
as an adult, if you've, never, if you've never been baptized, baptism is an outward expression of what's taken place in my heart. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm an, I, was, I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's all that baptism is. It's an, so my, my wedding ring doesn't make me married. It's just a sign to the world that I'm married. Baptism is the same. It doesn't save you, but it's a sign to the world that you are saved. If you've never done that, if you've never been baptized in water, come and speak to me afterwards. Come and speak to Rich afterwards. Speak to your life group leader. Speak to somebody. We want to baptize you next Sunday. If you need to borrow courage from somebody to allow your faith to keep growing, to keep going and keep following, this community is a good place for you. Come and borrow some courage from somebody. When I follow Jesus... Number three, and lastly, I'm led to fruitfulness. I'm led to a place of fruitfulness. Mark chapter 11, verse 12 says this. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to it, but he couldn't find anything on it uh, to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from your fruit again. Jesus curses the fig tree and his disciples heard him. So when I don't follow Jesus, what happens is that I can look really good. If I'm not following Jesus, it's really easy to look good. I can grow my tree big, lots of leaves, big leaves, uh, big branches, branches in all the right places, swings in the branches. I can look really good, right? But what Jesus is, he's not impressed with the size of my tree. Jesus is looking for fruitfulness from me. He's not impressed with how successful my business is. He's not impressed with how good I am at sports. He's not impressed with how funny my social media account is. What Jesus is looking for is fruitfulness because when I follow Jesus, I'm led to fruitfulness. The only way for a tree to reproduce itself is to be fruitful. A tree can't drop its best looking leaves and branches and into the ground and expect to reproduce itself. It just ends up as compost, right? The only way for a tree to reproduce itself, the only way for you to reproduce your faith is to be fruitful. That's the only way. When I follow Jesus, I'm led to not looking impressive necessarily, but to being fruitful. So here's a question. Is the reason that so many Christians are so tired, is that reason because we take time on a Sunday together with the church, or is it because we're not following well from Monday to Saturday? We know everybody's tired. We know that. Everybody's tired. And I don't think, I know, that it's, the reason for that is not that we take two hours on a Sunday to be together, but it's that we don't follow very well from a Monday to a Saturday. And so as a consequence, our lives are full of leaves and full of branches, but no fruit. We, over, we, we overburdened, we overloaded, and then an overloaded life leads to a lack of fruitfulness. An overloaded life looks like lots of leaves, lots of branches and swings, but no fruit. And Jesus looks at that tree and he says, you're not serving the purpose that you were created for. You weren't created to, to have leaves and branches. You weren't created to be big and good looking. You were created to be fruitful so that you can multiply. When I follow Jesus every day, my life becomes different. Following Jesus leads to fruitfulness. Does your life feel as if it's all leaf and no fruit? Does it feel as if it's all busy? And nothing productive. Jesus says, come and follow me. And the message paraphrase that Eugene Peterson translates, he says, come and learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. As you, follow, as you follow me, come and follow me. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. And from that place, you will produce fruit. When I follow Jesus, I'm led to a place of fruitfulness. Jesus isn't looking for believers. Jesus is looking for followers. He's trying to get our attention to let us know that what's good about us is not that we seek him, but what's good about us and what gives us value is that he seeks us. 
And we, he gets our attention so that we can look to him, so that he can speak to us, and that we can follow him. Because he knows that when I deny myself and follow him, I'm led to a place of community. And when I'm in true community, that community becomes a place where I can borrow courage from. And I, can, I borrow courage from people in that community so that I can go down the mountain. I can carry on being led down the mountain to a place where my faith can be planted deep and my faith can grow. Because if my faith can grow, I'm then led to a place of fruitfulness. And that's what Jesus desires from me. And what he desires from you also. Fruitfulness and not busyness. About 10, 15 years ago, I was in a place of believing in Jesus, loving Jesus, but not following Jesus. I was constantly frustrated, running from community, nobody to give me courage, all busyness, no fruits. I was living in a dark place and I hadn't been led to that dark place. I'd made decisions that had ended me up in a dark place. There's a big difference between those two things. And I can remember the day as if it was yesterday. I sat down in that dark place and I came to a place where I said, Jesus, I choose to follow you. Out of my desperation, I came to a place where I said, no matter what it costs me, no matter where it takes me, I will follow you. And that was the day that my life changed again. I was still in the dark place, but I now had somebody that could follow out. I was still in the dark place, but I was now comfortable to just live in that dark place because I denied myself and so I didn't need glory. I was comfortable living in a dark place with no glory because, I, I, because I'd humbled myself and denied myself and because I could trust the one who I knew would lead me out eventually. Can you stand with me, please? I want to pray for us. The first step to following Jesus is to confess your need for somebody to follow. Perhaps you've been coming to church for a while. Perhaps you've gotten this your first time and you know nothing about it. But you've never made a decision to place all of your trust in Jesus, to follow him. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, to make it possible for you to die the death that he died so that you can live the life that he lived. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and to make it possible for you to live in eternity with him as opposed to apart from him. It's not the act of believing in Jesus that makes you a Christian. It's the act of confessing your need for Jesus and following him. If you've never made that decision, if you've never made that confession this evening, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I would love, it'll be my privilege to pray for you and to pray with you. Is there anyone here this evening? We're not in a rush. We've got a minute or two. Is there anybody? I want to pray for the rest of us. Father, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to be with the Father. Thank you that you haven't left us alone as orphans in this world. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And today we choose to follow Jesus. We don't want to be people who believe in you only, but people who follow you. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, as we look to live lives of self-denial? Would you help us to follow Jesus? Thank you that you empower us. We say that no matter what it costs us, no matter where it takes us, we will follow you. We choose this evening to follow you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for